Hi everyone, I'm Allison Lum, Vice President of Pharmacy Services at Blue Shield of California, and your host for this episode of Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. Joining me today is Hank Schlisberg. Hank is President and Chief Executive Officer of Evio, an independent pharmacy solution startup that works with health plans to transform the medication experience for everyone. In this episode, we'll get Hank's insights on the current pharmacy landscape and how we can reimagine the medication experience to make prescription drugs more affordable and accessible. I'm excited to have Hank here with us today because I've been in the pharmacy industry now for close to 20 years and we are ready for transformational change. Hank, with his experience, is one of the leaders that is going to get us there. Thank you for joining me, Hank. Thanks, Allison. It's great to be here. And, and you and I get to talk a lot about these topics, so it'll be fun to, to give up others a chance to beam into our, uh, our conversations and our banter. Now, Hank, you've been in healthcare for more than two decades, and you've served in several roles from innovation, growth to operations. You've also been in several different sectors of healthcare. What has surprised you about how the healthcare industry has evolved or hasn't evolved over the past 20 years? The question is kind of a dichotomy in and of itself, because on the one hand, and you and I have talked about this, those of us who have been doing this for a long time at times can get frustrated, right? Healthcare is very regulated and it can feel slow and hard to change. And we're dealing with such large institutions like the federal government of all things. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, the pace of evolution can feel frustrating. The analogy that I use with the team a lot though, is it's kind of like when you go on a diet, right? If you weigh yourself every single day, you're like, oh my God, nothing is happening, right? But then six weeks later, you get on the scale and you go, ah, I lost 10 pounds. And so I'm, I'm reading a book right now um, that says that everyone should use the phrase AMB, always measure backwards, always measure backwards. And so if we look backwards, right, at where we've been and where we are right now, it's actually pretty staggering um, some of the things that have been achieved in healthcare. So the evolution of value-based care is just in a dramatically pl different place than it was, forget about 20 years ago when I started in healthcare, but even five to 10 years ago, the evolution of data sharing and transparency, which is so important, not only in healthcare, but in our space of pharmacy is in a dramatically different place. And um, another way to measure it is just to look at the dollars invested in entrepreneurs and disruptors and venture capital backed healthcare, it, not only the dollars, but also just the valuations, frankly, of these companies, there's really a lot going on. And, and, and I think we are losing our weight when we get on the scale. We are losing our weight and there has been a ton of change. And so I'll have to remember that always measure backward. You had a, a pretty great post when you first joined Evio um, and you talked about why this, this is so personal for you. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about that story? Yeah, thanks for asking. And in general, I think it's one of the great things about working in the pharmacy world. I came from working in kidney care, a highly specialized area where there's only 500,000 people in the United States with kidney disease out of whatever we're up to, 340 million now. And that's just not true in pharmacy. Pharmacy touches everyone. 
what I think is really helpful for, for motivating innovation in this space is I think all of us um, have a story like this. So I'm a girl dad. I have three daughters, uh, 14, 12, and nine. And my 14-year-old, Leah, when she was three years old, my wife and I looked down and her left knee is the size of a softball. And it turns out that she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And so what I think is just, you know, looking back now with all the knowledge I have of the system, we, we were no different than any other patient. Maybe we had a little bit more knowledge about the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, maybe we had a few connections. We were living in Cleveland, Ohio with some of the best medicine in America. And we walked in and the doctors told us what was going on. And they said, okay, what do you want to do? What, what do you mean? What do you want to do? Well, there's Embril and here's what it does. And there's Methotrexate and here's what it does. And there's Remicade and here's what it does. What do you want to do? And, and I just, I just remember my mind being blown saying, right, we're here asking you what the right answer is and what the pathway is. And while the story ends incredibly well, so Leah is a freshman now who just got done playing varsity softball and she's strong and fast and a great player. And we're actually getting ready to go to Las Vegas for a showcase tournament this weekend. And there's so many, she's strong and healthy. We probably spent eight or nine years with the hunt and peck methodology of finding the right medications in the right combinations and then, oh gosh, I sure hope you don't switch employers and switch insurance or the formulary doesn't change uh, for your current employer because then not only does the medication change, but in our case, this is a shot, not a pill, which means it's a delivery device, which changes, which is a three or a five or an eight or a 10 year old who now has to get used to a different type of pen delivering a different shot in a different place at a different frequency because somebody else decided there was a way to control costs. And so it was a, it was a really um, challenging, scary, frustrating experience. And then fast forward to sort of complete the story. We live in Colorado and over the holidays last year, we were skiing as a family and um, I was just in the process of, of making my decision to come to Evio. And I remember telling my wife about the opportunity and having the conversation. And my daughter heard us talking about it. And she said, hey, dad, what's your new company going to do? Well, I mean, how do you explain any of what a lot of us do uh, you know, to little kids? And if we were on a chairlift and in the moment, what I said was, we're going to help people get their medications cheaper and more simply. And Leah, my 14 year old immediately snaps back. Oh, so mom doesn't have to spend three hours a month on the phone with the insurance company. Now wow. we know it's not actually the insurance company. It's the specialty pharmacy uh, that, that, you know, we're spending that time talking to. Right. And so, but the point is the same, right? that not only did we have that frustrating clinical experience of, I wonder what drug we should try and I wonder if it'll work and I wonder in what dosage, but then the administrative burden that we have to go through to get it happen 
it, it just became so clear that there has to be a better way. And if there's a way for me to contribute to that better way, then boy, I'm all in. So your experience, Leah's experience, your family's experience is not all that dissimilar to what we see here in the industry each and every day. I love how you made it so simple in terms of telling Leah what you are going to do in your role at Evio. Tell us what how that translates into your goals and what you hope to accomplish. So Evio is about transformation of the pharmacy value chain. So what does that mean? We have an incredible gift, an incredible luxury to be working with five independent companies who made a choice to invest and help us try and come up with something different. And each of the five, Allison, and you lead one of them, are frankly highly evolved, highly innovative, highly creative, not just health plans, but specifically pharmacy departments. So Evio is not placed here to just replace what, what people are already doing, to do one time what's happening five times. Evio really gets the opportunity to reimagine the pharmacy value chain and say, if you didn't have any of the legacy systems or processes or payment flows, what would it look like? What would our experience with Leah 11 and a half years ago have looked like? So today, for good reasons, good people for good reasons, given the, the resources and the information they have, the system does not work best for everyone. So for the most part, a drug is prescribed to a patient largely based on what we call pay to play formularies, meaning rebates are granted for placement and preferring a drug across all possible populations for all indications of the drug. Well, we know, we know that Leah, who was a three, now is a 14-year-old uh, Caucasian female with certain traits, is going to have very different outcomes on some drugs than a 50-year-old male who also has rheumatoid arthritis, but has diabetes and hypertension as well. And we have the information to get to that level of, of what we call and the industry calls real world evidence. So not clinical trials, not clinical trials, but how did the drug actually perform for different types of patients in different types of situations? So the vision that Evio has that guides everything we do, every activity we take and every product, so to speak, that we build is to help ensure that every patient gets the right drug for their unique situation in a simple and affordable way. Every patient gets the right drug for their unique situation from the beginning in a simple and affordable way. And everything that we do is gonna be aimed towards using real world evidence and using unique partnerships because there's a lot of great things happening in the industry to help enable that vision. So you've talked about addressing the value chain, shifting from a pay to play to a more personalized real world evidence basis. 
I hear real world evidence out there a lot. How is this going to be different? How is Evio's approach going to be different from other organizations in the industry? Yeah, so we think that there are three or four things that are pretty different um, about what we're doing. So the first is the data set. And so we will have access to data about outcomes, real patient outcomes in the real world. Those are outcomes based on claims. Did the patient stop going to the hospital? Did the patient stop going to the ER? And labs, did the drug actually have the intended effect on the patient for more than 20 million lives? So that's a lot of data in one place. And it's a heck of a capability build that's really never been done before to say, can we collect all this data and can we actually analytically derive the difference between how a seven to 12 year old Caucasian female with no other chronic conditions performed on Embril versus a 50 to 60 year old African-American male with three other uh, chronic conditions performed on the same drug. So I think that's the first thing that's really interesting and really different, which is the data set. The second thing is we all know that healthcare is local and it's so important to understand what happens in local communities. There actually are data sets and even insurance companies out there with more than 20 million lives. But the fact that our 20 million lives are basically in six or eight cities, large metropolitan areas, that's really, really interesting because now we can involve the physicians. Now we can involve the local health systems and communities. We can understand social determinants of health and other things that affect patient outcomes in a pretty fundamentally different way. So scale of data is really interesting. Scale with density is even more interesting. The third thing that I think is really different for EBIO is if you technically looked up the registration of EVIO, we are officially incorporated as a for-profit entity, but we have absolutely no profit motive. We have no profit motive. So one of the challenges that we have in our industry is there's a lot of people who are trying to profit off of the system. And the only incentive that EVIO and me and our management team has is to make the system better. And so we, we are not trying to extract value from the system. And we think, we think that that gives us a really unique advantage to think in a very pure way, what is better for patients and not fall in love with some of the parts of the system that reward maybe suboptimal uh, behavior for patients. The fourth thing is our mandate. Our mandate is transformation or bust. We're not trying to make this 1% better. And, and that certainly ties to our um, number three and not having a, a, short, a profit motive for a short-term buck, but we're only interested in something that's radically better for patients and not 1% more profitable. And I, we think that if we, can, if we can do that, we create a really different outcome um, for, for all members of the system. Well, I love that transformation or bust. And we know that we need transformation, but we're not going to do that alone. There are so many different key stakeholders that make up the pharmacy industry as a whole. 
tell us how Evio is partnering with pharmacists, physicians, and the rest of the industry to achieve your mission. We don't believe we can do everything ourselves. So we have what I call a partnership DNA, which is I, I, um, I was so impressed and excited when I joined Evio and started to get deeper into the pharmacy industry with all the innovation and entrepreneurship. And we talked about venture capital backed companies. There's so much innovation happening in the pharmacy world. And so we are the proverbial open for business. We are open for business. We have a pretty strong point of view on where we think our capabilities are going to lie around real world evidence and data and insights. And then how we get those insights to the market, we are open for business to partner. So that's point one. Point two is I like to use the if a tree falls in the forest analogy. And what I mean by that is I am very confident that we will develop clinical insights that have never been developed before from this real world evidence that we talked about. I'm very confident of that. And to your point about prescribers and pharmacists and those who are at the point of the care, if we don't get it into their hands, then it's not helpful. So the insights that we create have to get to the point of prescribing. So at the point that a diagnosis is made, both the prescriber, the physician, and the patient and the pharmacist all have to have the same transparency that we have into one, the clinical effectiveness for the patient, right drug for every patient's unique situation from the beginning, right? And the cost implications. And the cost implications are a big one. Because we don't today live in a world of full transparency, of the bottom line net cost to the patient of every drug, patients don't always understand what their financial responsibility will be. And one of the problems that we have with the high cost of drugs today is that we know the number one driver of lack of adherence is cost. And so if we can work together to get real world evidence in the hands of patients and prescribers and pharmacists at the point of care, we can get clinical information and financial information to them at that moment. We not only have the best chance to get them the right medication for their unique situation, but we can also get them one that they can afford, which will increase the, um, the access and the health equity of, of making sure that people are staying on their meds and keeping them on longer. Yeah, data insights, particularly around costs, are going to be so key and critical um, for us to transform as an industry. Let's spend a little bit more time talking about affordability and costs. We know that prescription and specialty drugs are one of the fastest growing areas of healthcare costs. What's contributing to this trend? Miracles. So I told a, maybe a negative story about Leah and the experience we've had, but it's not. It's not a negative story, right? It's a miracle. Leah is the fastest runner on the softball team, right? With her left knee still having active disease. And that's because of the miracles of specialty pharmacy. So from an innovation standpoint, and obviously, right, the last, what are we up to? 20 months now, the last 20 months, we've seen the miracles that pharmacy can deliver. So that's the good news. Innovation uh, is, is the good news. 
the pace of innovation from a clinical standpoint and what drugs have been developed and been able to be available has outpaced, unfortunately, the innovation in everything that happens from that point forward, meaning how drugs are paid for, how drugs are delivered, the experience that the patient has in receiving their medications, all of those things need to innovate at, at the same level, but the costs are driven by the innovation. It's just that the rest of the value chain, us included, we have to catch up and we have to keep innovating and create better solutions in the value chain so that those miracles can continue getting to all patients, not just ones with certain life advantages like, like maybe Leah um, enjoyed. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I, I get frustrated about the rising cost of specialty drugs, but um, I have a personal reminder in my father. He is, as you described your daughter, my father is a 70 year old Asian male who's been suffering from rheumatoid arthritis for the past 20 years. And it is a miracle that he is able to carry on with his activities of daily living, uh, given that he has medications that keep him, keep him healthy. That, that's amazing. Uh, we should compare notes sometime on our uh, our experience in right? Your your daughter and my father are in the real world evidence pool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I hope they're not both on the exact same medication with the exact same dosage, Allison. <laughs> they are. I, I guarantee they are not. <laughs> so, Hank, there are a lot of uh, legislation at the federal and state level related to drug pricing reform cost transparency, accessibility. What policies in particular would have the most impact on consumers or employer-sponsored insurance that we should be tracking, that we should be aware of? The biggest theme that I hear about in my conversations that I would push for is actually one we've talked about already, which is transparency, which is all of us have an obligation to make sure that the true cost of the drug net of the rebates and the discounts and the fees are all apparent to the patient at the counter, to the prescriber at the point of making a decision so that everybody has full and complete information to make the right decision for the patient. And we all understand that there are cost benefit trade-offs in all parts of life, in all parts of shopping, but the more we can um, aid the consumerization right? Um, the ability for transparency to know what we shop for. I can't even imagine a world, right? Uh, in any other, in any other consumer good where you would walk down the aisle of a store and you would take a product off the shelf and not know until after you pay for it, what it costs. And that's the world we live in today in pharmacy. And I think anything that we as leaders, because you and I have an obligation in our respective organizations, but also the government, also the government and the great work that they're doing can do to increase transparency, I think it benefits patients. So it's not just transformation or bust, it's transparency or bust. Yeah, we think that's a big deal. We do. Maybe that's our moniker, transfer, transformation through transparency. We'll, we'll get tongue twisted for sure. Okay, Hank, where do we have opportunities to transform the medication experience for patients? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things. We are really trying to control costs to increase access and affordability. Some of it though, can be modified or changed 
if we have a better idea upfront of what the right drug for every patient's unique situation is from the beginning. So that's number one. The second is the actual shopping and delivery and fulfillment experience itself. So I think about my, and, and we all use this example so often, but, but it's one of the best that we have, which is you know my experience, our experience every day with Amazon Prime, right? Where I can make a selection, understanding price and ratings and features. Uh, once I make that selection, I get told exactly when my product will be delivered to me. I can follow the product in midair, minute by minute, right? I know where it is at all times. It comes when it's supposed to. I can get additional information about the product. And so um, it, it is odd to me, particularly in this day and age of the last 20 months where we didn't leave our house, that we still ask people to go stand in a line to get their medications. And by the way, if they happen to buy people magazines and gummy bears while they're standing in line, good for the good for the pharmacy, right? And I think we can move to a much more digital, much more consumerized, much more Amazon-like experience in the pharmacy value chain that I can certainly say we would appreciate as patients. I love that vision that you're painting for us here. There's so much going on within the pharmacy landscape at this moment, and some of the issues are really complex. It, it is challenging. What is the one thing, one thought, or ask you have for our listeners today? Ask, why not? Why can't we do it that way? Why does it have to be that way? And push. Why do we have to have a totally opaque system where I can't find out the real cost of the product that I'm consuming? Why do I have to jump through those hoops to get the medication I need? Why doesn't the prescriber have the real world evidence at their fingertips? There is so much inertia in healthcare. And again, I think most of the system has been built given the resources and the information that people have to do the right thing for patients and, you know, organizations like yours and the other blue plans that we get the privilege of working with have done amazing, amazing things to reduce cost and, and improve the experience. And there's so much more we can do. And, and, you know, it's funny, healthcare is not, in my opinion, one of those places people say, oh, we're going to go get some people from Amazon and from Uber and from Starbucks and a fresh perspective. You kind of got to know healthcare because it is, it is pretty complicated. It takes a while. And at the same time, some fresh perspectives that says, why do we have to do it that way? Why isn't there a better way to do it? Why do we have to comply with that procedure? I think will benefit all of us. And if all of us can be open-minded to a new way of doing things and challenging some of the existing ways of doing things, I don't know if we're going to get 100% of the way there, but I bet you we get 90. I bet you we get an awfully, awfully close. Oh yeah. We've got to get much closer for this to be worthy of our family and friends for Leah and for my dad. Yeah. So Hank, um, a few rapid fire questions just for fun, just so we can get to know you better as a person. What's the most used app on your phone? Okay. So I have to come clean here because, you know, we're of transparency. We got to be about honesty, right? So 
I'm pretty, I told, I talked a little bit about this softball thing. I've gotten pretty into it. I wasn't a baseball or a softball player, but there's an app called game changer. Anyone who's listening, who has baseball or softball kids know what I'm talking about, where they chart every single pitch, every single play and the outcome. And then it gives you so many stats and I'm like a total stat geek. So Sunday nights after a weekend of tournaments, I probably spend four hours analyzing the stats on Game Changer for the, uh, you know, for the softball team and how Leah did and all that stuff. So um, and by the way, I'm just as big of a, of, a, of a fan of soccer and basketball and swimming, which is what my other kids do. They just don't have as good of stats and they don't have as good of an app. Right. And so um, that's probably the app I spend the most time on these days, if I'm being really honest, uh, during the season is Game Changer. Okay, and I've got to know, because you mentioned this a little bit earlier, what is the book that you are currently reading? Oh, it's a pretty good book. It's called, if I have it um, right, The Gap Versus the Gain. And the basic concept is whatever it is that you're doing in your life, if you're, if you're kind of shooting for a 10 and you only get to seven, most of us spend time thinking about the gap between seven and 10 instead of the gain that we got from zero to seven. Uh, and so I think it's just a nice reminder of how do you think positively and um, have gratitude for what we have achieved, as opposed to always thinking about what we haven't yet achieved. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm probably about 57% of the way through. So I'll let you know when I'm done, if it's, uh, okay. That makes sense. Now that always measure backward, always measure backward. Yeah. Well, Hank, thank you so much for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you walked away with some good nuggets about the pharmacy industry here and what Hank's doing to transform pharmacy care. Remember, as Hank mentioned, always ask, why not? Challenge ourselves, think about what we could be doing, and acknowledge how far we've come, the gain, instead of focusing on how far we have yet to go. To learn more about Evio, visit evio.com. That's E-V-I-O.com. Join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. We'd love to hear your feedback. Share your comments and let us know your thoughts by writing a review on our website at doseofdialogue.com. You can also join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue.